And today we'll be looking at uh, verse 27 of Philippians 1. But don't you just love it when God works in us, starts working in our hearts. He speaks to us gently, brings confidence and freedom to us again. And as we read his word, we will see more of that as he equips us for the work that is in store, that he has prepared for us. So Philippians 1.27 says this, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Another version, another translation puts it this way. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the, in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Quite a bit of um, stuff to look at and listen and understand through this particular passage of Scripture. But he starts off, Paul starts off by saying, Only let your conduct be worthy of, your, of the gospel of Christ. So he, he reminds the Philippian church that their lifestyle needs to conform to the uh, image and likeness of Jesus Christ. It's one thing to say I'm saved. It's one thing to say I've been plucked from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It's very easy to say that, but it's another thing to show that in our lives. It's one thing to say, yes, this has happened. It's another thing to show that this has happened. It's one thing to say I have been plucked away. It's another thing to show that I have been plucked away. So Paul here, turn to an exhortation to the Philippians. Now, here he is emphatically encouraging or urging uh, the Philippians to do something. He's not just saying, oh, maybe you can, maybe you should, it's a good idea. Um, he actually, his communication here is urging them, earnestly urging them to do something. This challenge to the Philippian church is the same challenge to us as a church in the 21st century and to the churches at large in the world today. And this challenge runs from verse 27 through to verse 30. It is a plea to match our life with our beliefs. It's a plea from Paul to match our very conduct of life with um, what we believe in, what we have saved into. He calls his friends to work out their salvation from here onwards. We looked at uh, from verse 1 through to verse 26 last week, 
and we've learned a lot. Learned a, last week we spent a little bit of time just looking at the, the depth of our hearts and, and trying to see um, what happens. Why, why is it that we, are, we are, uh, sometimes find ourselves losing our first love? Why is it? Why does that happen? We thank God for His mercy. Here in verse um, 27, he deals with conflict against enemies and then with internal conflict. You will see that in chapter 2. And that is to say he moves from struggles against opponents to the task of maintaining unity among themselves. Who knows that the Christian church needs unity? Who knows that a government needs unity? Who knows that any organization to succeed, to move forward, needs unity? What does the famous um, saying go? Divided we fall. I think it is. Divided we fall. United we stand. Yes. Thank you. That is true. It's not just a cliche word. United we do stand. And it's the same for the gospel. It's the same for us. You know, I, I had this picture um, of the Christian church. In fact, uh, this is when we were part of Yeovil. Um, I had a picture of us, the church, united, moving uphill against the foes and the forces of evil. People who are unsaved and, and they're coming down, running, running down towards the church. And the picture looked like this. So as they were running down, we who are Christians divided were all getting scattered. We were not able to, to, to almost withstand and hold our ground and hold and stand. But when we were united, we were we were able to stand and stand our ground. In fact, we're not, we were not, it was coming downhill. I mean, if you're pushing up, it's, it's hard work. They're coming downhill, it's easier for them. But actually, when you are united as the body of Christ, we can stand against anything. Why? Not because in our own effort, but because of He who has saved us, He who directs us, He who leads us. But when you divide it, oh, it's going this way, oh, no, it's coming, oh, that dagger is coming, that, that arrow is shooting us, but we don't have the shield of faith, as it were. We don't have those um, um, abilities to stand, to withstand the things that the enemy throws against us. So the, 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 the church, the Christian body, needs unity. This Christian life has this two-sidedness to it. It's one thing to uh, acknowledge the, the enemies coming towards It's another thing to also acknowledge it, to deal with each other. Unity is found within each other, right? So if I agree with you and you agree with me, we are kind of united, aren't we? But if I disagree with you, and you disagree with me, already there's, a, there's room for division. Already there's room for division. And um, so Paul deals with this. He asks these believers, these Christians, these friends, to actually work out their salvation. 
uh, uh, later on he will say, you must work out your salvation in fear and trembling. So he deals with conflict against enemies outside and then internal conflict in the church. He says we need to maintain our unity. And the Christian life is like that. There's two sides to this Christian life. We are in the world, but not of the world. Which means if we're in the world, we will be faced with opposition from the enemy. We will be faced with opposition. We will be faced with opposition. So let's just realize that. Let's settle it in our hearts. Every single day when you wake up, there are things that are hard to get you. There are daggers, as it were. There are arrows that have been designed to attack you, to hold you down. Every single day. But then Jesus says this, through his way, says that every day I have new mercies for you. New mercies for you. In other words, whatever has happened, whatever has been prepared, the enemy comes and tries to uh, dethrone or, or kill you, as it were, God says, I, I hold you. I hold you. Look at me. I, I, you stand be, be, uh, behind me and I will shield you. I will protect you. I will walk with you. I will lead you. You know that famous scripture in Ephesians um, uh, 6 verse 4 where it speaks about the, um, our fight is not against flesh and blood. Not against flesh and blood. But it's actually, well, let me actually read it. Ephesians 6 verse uh, 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we are not fighting each other. We're not fighting each other. It might look as though we're fighting each other, but actually there's forces behind. The enemies at work. But we're not fighting each other. Our responsibility is to fight behind Christ. We stand behind Him. And as we walk with Him and as He leads us, so He helps us. So He guides. So He takes out what needs to be taken out. So He brings in what needs to be brought in because of His mercy and his glory and and remember i said in ephesians 2 10 he says that he has gone ahead and prepared good works for you and i to walk into and if that's the case we don't have to worry we just have to walk we just have to continue walking and those things begin to open up we have to learn to cope with our enemies but it can be even more difficult coping with one's friends. It can be even more difficult coping, coping with each other. It can be even more difficult coping with family members. It's a reality. This is Christian life has two sidedness to it. Paul will go on to present to them, the Philippians, the supreme example of humility. Humility found in Jesus. And then we'll ask them to work out their salvation in a way in which they live. As I said, 
We can confess we have been saved. We can confess our life has changed. We can confess all these things. We can proclaim and, de and, and declare that these things have happened to our lives. But are we showing it to the world? So here he starts off in verse 27. He says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. This word conduct is a political term. It is the Greek term from which we get the word politics. The word means, uh, in this context, to govern, to be a free citizen and live as such, to conduct yourself according to the laws and customs of a state. Generally, it means to live or order one's life and conduct. So we live in South Africa. There's a, there's, a, there's a way we are to live. There's a way we are to behave. Because we are citizens of this country. And as citizens of this country, we know what not to do and what to do. Often we don't really want to do what we know we ought to do. But that's human nature. It's human nature. So Paul uses this term here to describe to the, to the Philippians that uh, they belong to the Romans. There's a, they are Roman citizens. And therefore you have to behave in, in, a, in, a, in a country, you have to behave according to the laws and the norms of the country. This is the duty to a group or body of people to live as citizens in the Roman Empire in that day was something quite extraordinary. Roman citizenship carried far-reaching rights. Philippi was part of the Roman uh, Empire. They were like a, they're known as the little mini Rome, as it were. Whatever Rome, uh, whatever ex they exercise as a country, so Philippi also exercised those things. They followed the, the same way of life. Philippi was a, a Roman colony. The Philippians understood this term clearly. The style of life of the Roman citizen was much different than that of other people. I mean, you know, Rome, the Romans have done a lot of stuff. Today we, we, we enjoy what they, they did, what they discovered. They were a nation that conquered. They were a nation that knew how to do things. And our conduct or manner of life should reflect that like the Philippines were, were called to reflect the conduct of the Romans, so us, uh, we, our conduct in our lives should reflect the gospel as we have been saved. Continues and says, be worthy, be worthy. Uh, should I say, only let your con conduct be worthy of the gospel. So it says, be worthy. This means, uh, whatever your life looks like has to match up to something. 
you have to match up to something. It's not just something that you're thinking about, it just came upon you. No, no, you have to match up to something. What do we match up to? The gospel. Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. So what does the gospel look like? What, what are we always kind of encouraged to do? We are always encouraged to go out and proclaim the gospel of Christ to a lost and dying world. But then often when the, this lost and dying world, it's easy when I see someone, I don't know them, and I'm going to tell them of Jesus Christ, I can preach and tell them the good news about Christ. Guess why? Because I know that once I've told them, I'm done. I may never see them physically here again. So I can express myself. But let me tell you, it is far more difficult for me to speak like that to perhaps a family member. Or someone that I know, my friend who knows me, who sees me, who, who engages with me. But we are called to express ourselves. We are called to proclaim the gospel of Christ. And by doing so, I mean, that the, the, the whole statement is, you know, practice what you preach. It's a hard statement because we are still humans. We are still... Um, we, we, we fall short of the glory of God. We do, we do. But He helps us. When we are weak, He is strong in us. But we are encouraged. We are encouraged to continue to, um, for our conduct to the unbeliever who we'll never see again and to the unbeliever who we will see often, maybe our family members, whatever the case might be, we encourage that our conduct should be worthy of the gospel that we proclaim. Of the gospel that we proclaim. Our conduct should match our gospel. And so the question should be this. Is our life becoming of the gospel? Is our life matching to the gospel of Jesus Christ? And of course, you can't, ask that, you can't answer that question if you do not know what the gospel looks like. If you do not spend the, the, your, your uh, time reading the Word of God, trying to understand, being in a context like this where we get to encourage one another, we get to uplift each other's arms, we get to challenge each other. If we do not engage, we will not know what the gospel looks like or how, it's, how we're supposed to live. And this is why the word in Hebrew says that we are not to forsake the, the gathering of believers. You know, COVID was a problem, as we know. And one thing it did, it actually forced us to be away from each other. And yes, screens are great. We can do all these things with screens and stuff like that. But actually, there's nothing more real than me rubbing my shoulder against my brother, Heinrich. It's nothing more real. There's a reason for that. So the word says we are not to, to forsake the gathering of the, uh, of the saints. Does your life, does it reflect on the greatness of the Lord Jesus? We sing about him, we sing about him, we proclaim him. We, but how does our life actually reflect him in our day to day to each other and then to the world that does not know him? If we try, um, you know, if, if um, you go clothes shopping, for those of you who do go clothes shopping, you go and try on a new outfit or a new pair of pants, shoes, whatever the case might be, 
and uh, you ask yourself this question, does this outfit fit me? Does it suit me? Am I right? Even men, I'm looking at men in particular here because they said, oh, yeah, 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 the wives will get it for us. But then you still ask them, does it actually fit me? <laughs> does it? Does it fit me? Is this, is this, um, uh, uh, these trousers fitting to me? So the gospel is the same. We ask the same question. Um, is my life fitting or becoming the gospel? Is my life, is the gospel fitting me? Does that, does that make sense or am I confusing myself? Um, is, it, is, it, is, is your life becoming like the, uh, the is, it, uh, is your conduct representing what you believe? So you put on the gospel, does it fit you? Are you living according to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Does my life do anything for the gospel? Does the gospel fit my lifestyle? That's a better way to put it. Does the, does the gospel fit my lifestyle? So how is, how is our lifestyle? And does the gospel that we proclaim fit our lifestyle? The reason I ask that is because some things may not be sinful or evil, may not seem as though they're sinful or evil, but they do not reflect positively on the gospel. Not that they're sinful or evil, but they do not reflect positively on this gospel that we believe. It is not, um, it is inconsistent with the gospel. It does not mix with the gospel. So Paul gets to this, verse 27, he's had some thoughts all along, and now he changes it. And he calls his friends and says, okay, guys, this is how we are to live. We have been born again. We've been plucked out from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And therefore, we have to present, we have to show this to be true in our lives. Our, the gospel has to, um, our lives have to uh, show the gospel to the world. Our conduct, our way of life. So, for instance, um, I had this analogy many years ago. And I said, unfortunately, for we've got the Christian and we've got the unbelievers. Let's plot everyone in the same room, in a dark same room, and um, let's switch off the light. And let's just see how conversations going. And unfortunately, the, the, what happened is um, the Christians were very much similar to the world. You would not necessarily know of the, that there are Christians versus the people in the world. And the example they used was um, in this setting where it's dark, us as Christians will almost substitute the, I mean, we are told not to curse, not, not to swear. Is it curse? Cussing. Cussing. Okay, don't swear. <laughs> but if we are put, us as Christians, yes, yes, we're still humans, and God has mercy and forgiveness, but we have to be different. We have to be different. We speak like the world. We behave like the world. We engage like the world. 
And that's a, a, a sad, sad indictment to the Christian movement, as, as it were. So Paul encourages these Philippians and says, come on, you've got to be different. You've got to be different. Not because you are of um, uh, its law, this is how you're a Roman citizen and you've got to... No, no, because of what God has done for you. This gospel that, I'm, that you believe in, you've got to live according to it. And so he, he offers some instructions concerning the way they face the outside world. Because remember I said, we are in this world but not of the world. We are in it, but not of it. And therefore, we have to be different. We are going to be faced forever, whilst we're on this earth, with a world that does not know Christ. And we have the opportunity to present Christ to, you, to the world. So he has some instructions concerning the way we are to live. The first one he asks his readers is to live a life that matches what they believe. He says, The supreme thing is this, live out your citizenship in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. Christian godliness is a matter of consistency. The way we live is the outworking of what we believe. Our very lives, the way we conduct ourselves, is an outworking of what we believe. If you believe Jesus Christ has done all these, has saved you, you will live your life according to that belief. These Philippians know that they know what the gospel is. They know all about grace and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. From verse All the way from verse um, 2 of this chapter. They also know about fellowship in the gospel from verse 5. Christian behavior arises from the experience of salvation. So your, your experience of your salvation feeds into the, your behavior. Feeds into your behavior. Paul says, let them live a life that corresponds to what has happened to them. Paul encourages us, I'll encourage myself, us, this one. Let us live our lives in, in correspondence of what's happened to us. Remember the song, I was once... Lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Let, let, yes, you walked around not knowing where you're going, but now you can see. Therefore, you should not go in certain directions because you can see. This is what Paul is encouraging them and encouraging us this morning. Only Christians can live the Christian life. Only you can live the gospel life, because you have been saved. You know what the gospel looks like. Christians make a mistake when they try to get godly living from men and women who have no faith in Jesus. There are many good books, self-help books out there, and we can learn, we can, we can, we can take some, some, um, some learnings from them. But the 
actual essence of our learning should be coming from the Word of God. Because the Word of God is indeed life. In John 17, 17, he says, Your Word is truth. It is truth. And so we read all these things, we take, we learn, yes, we, but then we have to measure it back to the Word of God. See how Paul uses a Greek word connected with citizenship. He has this analogy for the Philippi people that tries to paint a picture that you are a citizen of Rome. You have to behave that way. You should conduct your life as a citizen of Rome. As Paul was writing this, he had um, our, or the, the Philippian church, um, their heavenly citizenship in mind. So he would say, live as Christians, sorry, live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Remember, your citizenship is one of God's people. So we are different. We are different. The word of God says we are different. Do we believe that? Do we live our lives according to that belief system? That we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven? Remember that you belong to heaven. Remember that you belong to heaven. Start, and if that's the case, start living even now as members of heaven. How difficult is that? Let's start living our lives now on earth as members, as citizens of heaven. That means we don't, we were blind, we were all walking around not knowing where we're going, but now we can see, we can, so living as citizens of heaven, we were blind, we were walking that way, now we can see, we don't have to walk that way, we walk this way. Because this pleases God. Live in a heavenly way, even here on planet Earth. Now, when I say that, that might sound a little bit difficult. Live as citizens of heaven here on Earth, on planet Earth. It might sound a little bit difficult. And if it does, in some ways it's a good thing. Because you cannot live by yourself. Actually, you need the Holy Spirit to help you live out your citizenship of heaven here on earth. You cannot do it by yourself. Yes, you yield and you, you ask Him to guide, but you've got to allow Him to come and help us. You've got to allow Him to come and help us. You've got to allow Then you've got to believe the Word of God where Jamie... Um, encourages the, t the curtain has been torn do you believe that do you believe that when you're sick you can lay your hands on the sick and they will recover do we believe that do we believe what um, um, auntie Glen not aunt, uh, glenda uh, uh, um, reminded us this morning we have this fruitful labor for us there's pruning that's taking place it's painful that it, and sometimes it looks barren but actually there's something that's happening within there's something happening. Hey, Amen. This, this flower is blossoming. It's exciting. It's not auntie because you are very young. Glenda, we love you. 
So in essence, Paul says this to us. He says this to them, the Philippian church. And he says this to us this morning. Does our life match the gospel? Do you know what the gospel looks like and how it should look like? Our conduct should reflect positively on a lost world. We should conduct our lives like citizens of heaven rather than citizens of hell. That's a bit of a, um, a harsh one, eh? We're not citizens of hell. We are citizens of heaven. And that's a glorious truth to hold on to. That sets us free in many ways. But remember, there's still grace and mercy. So you don't, we, you don't have to be perfect. But as long as you, at least you've got to be trying. You've got to be willing to allow God to help us. You've got to be willing to allow God to help us. Why? Because we have a heavenly origin. And not only do we have a heavenly origin, we have a heavenly destination. Destiny, it's heaven. Not hell. Not here. We're not going to remain on earth. We are to live heavenly lives on earth, representing the sovereign King Jesus. So I leave us with this question. Does your life, does my life, correspond to the gospel? I ask you to close your eyes. I'm going to pray. You've got to answer that before God. Does your life, does my life, correspond to the gospel? Father, these are hard truths if we allow our carnal, selfish human nature to take over. So this morning, Jesus, I ask that you would help us to at least allow you to, to lead us, to guide us, to show us the way. God, because we, we have um, a um, heavenly origin, but our destination is, is to be with you. And we wanna want to paint a picture. We want to live a life according to this gospel that we believe. The gospel that we uh, stand for, that we proclaim, Father. And where we have fallen short, God, I ask for your forgiveness. And I thank you that it is done. I thank you, Lord, that the curtain has been torn. That we do have access to you. And in Hebrews it says that we can um, come to you boldly without worry, without fear. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the pruning that, takes in our takes, that happens in our lives, even though it is often difficult and, and painful. But, Father, thank you, Lord, that in due season there is blossoming that will take place. The flowers will yield, God, and fruitful labor will follow. So I asked Holy Spirit that you would be kind even more so, and help us live this life according to your ways. May our conduct be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen.